You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You have tuned in into 3CR's program Behind Closed Doors. This program explores all topics related to sex work. We give sex workers and allies a comfortable space to share their experiences. We also appreciate questions from the general public. Behind Closed Doors aim to uncover what the sex industry is really like. Our program exists to bridge the gaps. Please be mindful this program is not suitable for little years as there may also be explicit language use. Please connect with us on Twitter at bcd3cr or email us at bcd3cr at gmail.com. Hi everyone and welcome to Behind Closed Doors. We are Australia's only sex worker radio show. I'm Dean Lim and I'll be your host for today's episode. The Victorian government is currently reviewing sex work laws to make recommendations for the decriminalisation of sex work. Late last year, crossbench MP Fiona Patton led this review and she recently handed her recommendations to the Victorian government. Since 2018, a sex worker peer-led group called Sex Work Law Reform Victoria has been actively lobbying for sex work decriminalisation. Today, we'll be chatting with Fiona Patton, as well as Lisa from Sex Work Law Reform Victoria. Hi, Lisa, and hi, Fiona. Hi, Dean. How are you going? Hi, Dean. Hi, Lisa. So this is a Victorian government review about the decriminalisation of sex work. Fiona, what does it mean to decriminalise sex work? That is such a good question, Dean. And I think it's so important that people understand this. So firstly, because of the great work that sex workers and sex worker organisations have done to date, the constant campaigning, the very smart campaigning that's been going on has led to the Victorian government saying, we need to work out how to decriminalise sex work, not if, but how. That leads to that great question of what is decriminalisation. Now, it does not mean that there is no regulation. What this means fundamentally is treating sex work like any other industry. I think that would mean not having its own special laws. We can regulate sex work through planning regulations, through workplace health and safety regulations, through health and wellbeing regulations. That certainly seems to be the feedback that we've had. But yes, decriminalisation means really try to treat this industry like we would treat any other industry. And that does mean, of course, that there will be rules and regulations that we will all have to follow. One of the mantras or slogans of of the sex worker community is sex work is work. Mm. And I think as such, that really feeds into what you were saying about having some sort of attitude of having sex work as being part of the mainstream society. Yeah. When you look at currently the circumstances in Victoria where sex work is regulated by local government, it's regulated by the Consumer Affairs Department, it's regulated by DHHS, regulated by the police it's regulated by the federal police it's regulated by immigration it's regulated by work cover there is just a plethora of organizations that somehow have a foot in the door into the lives of sex workers and into the business of sex work really what decriminalization will do i hope is look at really streamlining that and looking at where we are seeing those overlaps so 
many of your listeners will know that a lot of what's in the current sex work legislation already exists in other legislation. Already, you know, the exploitation of children is in the Crimes Act. You know, do we need a, a separate act? And that, and I guess having a separate act also leads sex work to be treated as other, which is what decriminalisation is trying to, to remedy. Mm. It's, I think it's a, more of a, a common sense approach, mm. a, a practical, pragmatic approach to just tidying up some really outdated laws. Yes, that's right. Look, you know, Victoria was, was pretty groundbreaking in the 1980s when they decided to um, regulate the sex industry and to regulate sex work. I mean, that was actually quite extraordinary for its time. That was a long time ago, and now the legislation's not fit for purpose. Mm, and here we are. Okay. So the review, I'm sure, must have received quite a number of submissions. Did the review only receive submissions from supporters of sex work decriminalisation, or did it also receive submissions from critics of the industry? Yes, we received submissions from a, a very wide range of organisations and we sought, we sought that. You know, we, we did send out a letter to stakeholders asking for their thoughts. So it was from everyone from the Australian Christian Lobby through to, you know, local governments, uh, through obviously to sex worker organisations, to sex workers and to business operators, brothel operators and the like. So we did receive an enormous number of submissions, which was very pleasing. Uh, we also managed to conduct one-on-one -on -one or small group online consultations throughout this process. And this is a, quite a new process for me. I think for the public servants, they were actually quite surprised by the number of consultations that I was able to conduct during this extraordinary time of COVID. Given that there were so many submissions, were there common themes and concerns raised in these submissions that you received? I'd have to say, and while this was a fairly confidential process, but I, I think it would um, come as no surprise is that there, there was certainly a camp that sat in that Nordic model. And then there was the rest, which really all seemed to support decriminalisation and really treating sex work as work was a very much a common theme, as was stigma and discrimination. And we knew that. And that was, obviously, that was a big part of the terms of reference that we were operating under. So that made sense that that would be front and centre for a lot of the submissions. What was wonderful is that, and I, you know, and I thank Lisa and her team, and I thank all of the organisations for bringing the voices of sex workers. So that voice was heard, those personal stories that really give you that proper picture of the effects of the current regulations and the current legislation and the effects that they have on people's lives, on their families' lives, and how they disadvantage people. It was so important to have that. You know, while this won't be a Marcia Neve report, it will be my report. I'm so pleased that we had that voice throughout the inquiry process. Will the Victorian government publish these submissions? I doubt they'll publish the submissions. And I think, again, that's quite right, because 
when we asked people to provide us with written submissions, we indicated that they wouldn't be published. So I, I would suspect to honour that commitment, we wouldn't publish them. I'm not certain whether the government uh, will publish the report. I suspect we will see some version of the report being published. Certainly the, the recommendations will be published. How much of it they do publish? Look, I'd, I'd be happy if the whole thing was published. It was a, a great body of work. It was a great experience in doing this body of work and I'm proud of it. It'd be great to see what people actually submitted, what groups. I wouldn't see any trouble in us publishing the names of the organisations of where we received submissions and the names of the organisations that we had consulta- that we consulted with, except for those that asked us for anonymity which Mm. of course we would respect and fair enough we would be very careful about ensuring that no one was named if they didn't want to be Lisa, you're from Sex Work Law Reform Victoria. Can you tell us a little bit more about your group? Yes, Dean. We're all sex workers, former or current. We're a volunteer group. We're a registered not-for-profit. And we engage in advocacy activities, mostly, but not only, lobbying all levels of government, local, state and federal. So although our purview is to support the the push for decrim in Victoria, there are laws, as Fiona said, there are so many laws regulating sex work that some of the laws are state-based, some of them are federal laws or Commonwealth laws. There are laws, for example, banking regulation laws that permit discrimination. So we're lobbying for the legal and human rights of sex workers on as many levels as we, we can. Throughout 2019, different sex workers from our group met with MPs and MPs across Victoria, across the political spectrum. And ultimately, this contributed to the announcement of the review itself. It's great to see advocacy and sex worker advocacy at work being so effective. Lisa, a song that we can play on the show. Well, I'm an Amy Winehouse fan. And one of my favourite songs that was originally recorded by a lesser known American jazz artist Etta Jones as opposed to Etta James and it's called Don't Go to Strangers and I think well when you want decrim don't go to strangers go to sex workers. You've been listening to Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM and Digital Radio. I'm chatting with Fiona Patton and Lisa from Sex Work Law Reform Victoria about the sex work law review that's just occurred. Tune into the station that gives voices to sex workers. Subscribe to 3CR. your dreams to stars above would when you need someone to love don't go to strangers my darling come to me
Hi everyone and welcome back to Behind Closed Doors. We are Australia's only sex worker radio show and we're chatting with Fiona Patton and Lisa from Sex Work Law Reform Victoria about the review that's just occurred in Victoria. Historic, monumental, amazing. I cannot wait to know what's going to happen. <laughs> Stay tuned everyone as usual. And as part of the review, Lisa, your group, Sex Work Law Reform Victoria, collaborated with the Michael Kirby Centre at Monash University. Can you tell us about that collaboration and what it actually achieved? We were really proud of the outcome. We collaborated, yes, as you said, with the Michael Kirby Centre. We were working with sex workers' rights activist Cheryl Overs, and that was really a privilege to be working with her. She actually founded the Michael Kirby Centre for Public Health and Human Rights, and she's been a grassroots activist right from the get-go. She was the founder of Prostitutes Collective of Victoria and has been working really hard for sex workers' rights forever. So it's been it was an amazing thing to be working with her and the rest of the team. And various sex worker organisations in Victoria, a diverse range of voices was heard. And what we did was consult with the sex worker community over Zoom meetings to hear, hear the voices of sex workers, what they wanted, the issues that most concerned them. And we were aiming to provide Fiona with the most useful practical, detailed information we could get that addressed the issues, the complicated issues relating to decrim. And the more we talked to people, the more we realised how complex it was. And we worked around the clock at one stage. It was a dynamic and very extensive collaboration. And we we're very proud of what we came out with. We made a, a detailed submission and it was wonderful to hear and include the diverse range of voices of Victorian sex workers. And it was, yeah, an inspiring and really satisfying thing to be part of. And I think we all collapsed at a heap for a few days after the review deadline. Lisa, as a sex workers' rights activist, what do you think is important to happen next? We think the government should pay careful attention to the findings of the review. The recommendations Fiona will be making have you know been informed by as I said extensive work with sex workers they'll be carefully considered recommendations that sex workers have been meeting with government we want to see sex workers continue to meet with government and we want to see the government have the courage to implement the recommendations of the review. Fiona can you outline for us what the review has done so far and what is coming next? I will, and I and I do just really want to say how grateful I am for the work that the Michael Kirby Centre did, the work that um, the Sex Work Law Reform Victoria did. Their submissions really were complicated because it was complex. They did incredibly well and were very diligent in representing and reflecting the differing views. Because as we know, sex workers are not homogenous. Uh, we are a very diverse group of people. Uh, we have very different views on a whole range of issues. And I think that was very well reflected in that submission. And I'd, also on that grounds, I'd say that Scarlet Alliance and, and Vixen also brought together a whole range of voices. And for the very hard and long hours that people put into, into that work, I think we probably did about 60 different online consultations. Uh, we received close to, I'd say, 100 submissions. We wrote, I don't know how many drafts 
of the report, but it was um, it was quite a process. And because this has all been done during COVID, we, at no point has have we been have I been in the same room with anyone on this. It's added that level of difficulty to the process as this goes to air. The minister will have received the report, received the recommendations, will have access to the submissions, were part of that. And it's now in the minister's hands as to where the government will go. I think what's interesting and probably what's less known about this uh, is that it's no surprise that sex work law reform needs to be a whole of government issue because when you look at it, it is planning, it is health, it is, it's, it is stigma, it is discrimination, it is policing, it is a whole range of issues. So it is a whole of government. But interestingly, and I certainly wasn't aware of this at the beginning, I'm confident that this work will not, not have been in vain, that we will now, we've given them, I think, the basis for the next step, which is decriminalisation. That's so great to hear. That's what I, I'm expecting as well. I don't want another Marsha Neve report incident where only some of the recommendations will be listened to. And speaking of your recommendations, will they actually be published? My understanding is that they will be published. I'm used to doing parliamentary inquiries and I'm used to being part of a parliamentary process and all of that, those processes are very transparent. This is a different process. So this was a minister asking me to do, undertake this review for her. Yeah, so that the minister actually makes, gets to make those decisions. Yeah, I'm hopeful that they will be published. Can we expect the Victorian government to table a sex work decriminalisation bill in 2021? Again, it, this would be up for the government to decide. But yes, I, you know, I assume that the reason that they are considering, the reason that they have asked me to write this report, the reason that we have worked so hard, all of us, in producing this body of work, this quite detailed overview of the existing circumstances and what the stakeholders want to see next, I would be very hopeful that that now opens the pathway for legislation to decriminalise sex work in Victoria in 2021. Oh, gosh. Saying that really, isn't it? It's it's just so interesting. Being in Parliament has taught me governments do not move quickly. Yes, if there's one thing I've learned, it's we need to have patience in these things. However, Patience with persistence. I like that. Can that be your next, uh, I guess, <laughs> campaign slogan? That's right. <laughs> You've been listening to Behind Closed Doors on 3CR 855 AM and Digital Radio. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. Fiona, you've had experience in getting a version of decrim in the ACT. What do you think the barriers in general are to achieving the decriminalisation of sex work in Victoria? Again, another great question, Dean, but I think it goes back to something that you and Lisa might have said earlier in the piece, which courage. It's going to take courage. 
because it'll be really easy to do nothing. It will be really easy to ignore this. It will be really easy to say that, that, that these laws only affect a small percentage of the community. So it will take courage and it will take persistence. As I was mentioning before, we are going to have to stay active in arguing the case, in lobbying for reform. It will take courage and we will also need to ensure that we challenge misinformation at any time, that we present the facts, that we present strong research and evidence about the effects of decriminalisation, about the effects of not decriminalising. It will take persistence, but it's, it is going to take a, a government to be courageous because, frankly, sex and politics just don't go well together, despite the fact they're almost inextricably linked in so many things. Sex and sex work is not something that politicians feel comfortable speaking about. Sex and religion, two difficult areas. And when you come to sex work, sex and religion almost comes together because you do find that quite often the opposition around decriminalisation, the opposition about recognising sex workers' work has got a religious bent and has got a sort of a religious philosophy behind it. At the very least, a very conservative philosophy behind it. And money, sex work, that brings together sex, religion, politics and money. You know, all the big things we're most uncomfortable in dealing with. And we have to face them. Sometimes being uncomfortable means that we just have to face these challenges. We have to face law reform. We have to do the hard work and get the job done. The other area I think that we're going to have to be very conscious of is the challenge that we, of, that we will face from the opposition around the sort of the, the feminist rhetoric on this. Because that is a, sometimes that's quite an easy rabbit hole for people to travel down, particularly those that don't have great knowledge and experience and understanding of sex work. Those will be the important, I think, issues that we need to be very conscious of. And we also, we need to be real about this. And I think our, our own stories and the, the stories of sex workers are sometimes some of our strongest tools. I like your response. I think it's, it is always a combination of lived experience and lived experience stories balanced with stats, with evidence. So again, you have that pragmatic approach to uh, achieving success in any discourse that you want to have. That's right, Dean. And it will be important because sex, it's visceral and it's emotional. And it raises a lot of visceral and emotional reactions from people. So we will have to remain level-headed. We will have to remain sound, which is what evidence and research and facts enable us to do. But on the side of that, those personal stories, those lived experiences, trying to enable people, maybe not live in someone else's shoes, but understand what it's like wearing those shoes and understand the discrimination and the stigma that has been inherent in this industry for so many decades. Mm. We, all, we all really need to take a collective, a universal, a global breath, <laughs> do some meditation, do some yeah. yoga. We all need to just calm down. And I think we will get through all of these challenges in our lives, as well as I think get through the challenge of putting together a more balanced, a more fair, a more equitable sex work reform. 
it actually sounds like for a great, it sounds like a much broader philosophy for 2021. Once we finish <laughs> 2020, can we come out of this as kinder people, as, as people that listen better, uh, understand, uh, and certainly I, I hope that we do come out meditating softer, sounder, nicer in 2021. Mm, there's, there's been certainly some incredible life learning experiences and and stories and that we all need to learn and i think it's a great opportunity for all of us to learn to be better people individually collectively as well as you know when when we all gather together and work and try to work together because it's only through a gathering of people an openness to learn and openness to communicate that we can truly change the world change the laws reform things that aren't working as long as we just take that collective breath first, just calm down everybody. No need to be hysterical and crazy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, I think if we can follow that idea of breathing and, and trying to look at things calmly with a, a 2020 view, I think a lot of it has been led by fear and anxiety. So Fiona and Lisa, what can sex workers and sex worker organisations do now to help make Dear Crim succeed. Keep our voices loud and proud and strong and clear. It's, it was interesting, you know, thinking about this time. I mean, I think of this year as something like a war wash. If we all come out softer to the touch, that'll be a good thing. But we also need to come out with those voices that don't become dispirited by the complexities and the hard work involved, I think, because it is so complex and we've, you know, discovered that it gets more and more complex the deeper you go and there are real challenges with achieving decrim that works for sex workers and fits into the existing rules and regulations and just keeping strong, I think, is something that's really important to, you know, hold fast, look after each other, support each other and realize that this has been a particularly taxing year in terms of resilience and reaching out and looking out for each other is more important than ever and we need to keep doing that and keep prioritizing our voices and enabling our voices to be heard and just taking care of each other while we do that yes i think that's such good words lisa and sometimes we're our own worst enemies and this goes for so many groups and and for the sex industry as well so we need to remain united we need to stick together. We may not agree with everyone all the time. That's good. That's great. You know, we don't have to, but we do have to respect each other and we do have to work together. And I think this is 2021 that will be so crucial. And that is something that I think I hope we have learned in 2020 that we need to be kind to ourselves and we need to be kind to each other because there's plenty of assholes out there who will stick the boot in, keep lobbying, keep speaking to MPs, keep talking to your local MPs, keep telling those stories. We've got some work ahead of us. I'm optimistic. If we can get through 2020, we can get through anything. So I've asked Lisa this question already. Fiona, what's on your playlist that either motivates you or relaxes you? <laughs> Look, anything blondie at the moment. Fabulous. Thank you so much for your time, Lisa and Fiona Patton. Thank you. Thank you, Dean. Thank you. Yeah, lovely to chat. Thank you. This is Blondie. And one way or another, we will have decrim in Victoria.